Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. One of the president's ride-or-die defenders is legal advisor Jenna Ellis. It's such a political prosecution and a political persecution. Quote. This, to me, is a clear violation of the Fourth Amendment. It's revisionist originalism. Tolerance just isn't a two-way street with the Democrats. And I think that tells you all we need to know. Newsmax contributor and former legal counsel to President Trump. Jenna Ellis. Good morning. Good morning. You are listening to Jenna Ellis in the morning. I'm Jenna Ellis. And sometimes you get a really, really great treat. It's not expected in all of the travels. I'm broadcasting live actually from the Trump Doral in Miami. And I have a very special friend of mine with me today that you are just going to absolutely enjoy. You have probably heard of him. His name is Bob McEwen, and he was a former member of Congress for the uh, United States House of Representatives of course, from Ohio, and has been a mover and shaker in the conservative movement uh, for decades, has been a mentor and uh, someone that all of us in the conservative movement across the country, and especially in D.C., sincerely respect. I first met Bob when I was working for uh, Dobson, actually, years ago, and Bob is incredibly dear friends and Bob has graciously uh, decided that he is willing to join me this morning and share some of his wisdom with you. So, Bob. Honored to do so. Thank you, Jenna. It's a real joy to be with you. Yes, it's so wonderful always to see uh, you and Liz. And, um, you know, for for people who um, are looking at the world of D.C. and they're coming from the perspective of, of course, the foundation of Christian conservatism and are so frustrated with what they see in D.C. Your perspective being an insider for so many years, um, you and I were talking yesterday and you have some wisdom of what the process looks like and how Washington works compared to maybe what we would see from the outside. So um, let's start there and describe kind of your history. Well, you know, uh, Newt Gingrich often pointed out the fact that being a politician uh, requires certain skills. And it's fashionable to diminish them. But the real problem after the fall of the wall in which all those Central and Eastern European countries were struggling is because they had no political class. That is, it's a difference between giving orders and getting people to voluntarily work together for for a common good. And so uh, they had been used to saying the the government says this, the party says that, you you just have to respond. But be able to listen to people and to get them malleable to to work together as a team is a skill that, I repeat, uh, while we diminish it a lot, it's, it's, it's not universal. Some people, and so throughout American history, we have never had a president who had not been a political leader or had commanded troops in the field. So Washington, the Revolutionary War, Zachary Taylor, the Mexican War, Ulysses Grant, the Civil War, and Dwight Eisenhower, the World War II. Those were the only four exceptions to the political leadership. Now, being a general and being a political leader are very similar. You have to get thousands of people to work together for the common goal. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's a skill. Now, an entrepreneur is the exact mirror opposite of that. Uh, he doesn't have to do that. Uh, what he says is that this is my building, it's my money, it's my name, it's my reputation, and I want it done this way. And quite frankly, my dear, I don't care what you think. 
I want this color blue. You can say a thousand times how I don't care because it's mine. Now, uh, and if you don't do it right, I'll fire. I'll get somebody who will. Now, you can't do that in a military stance. or You can't do it in a political stance. You have to listen to what they say and you have to accommodate their needs. But the country had gone through a time in which it really went back to back between between Bush, Clinton, Bush or uh, Obama. Between those four uh, presidential presidencies, it uh, it's hard to find a philosophical change of direction. In fact, uh, let's just take the border, for example. Uh, when, when, when the, the cartels recognize that Americans, if we just throw a child in there, then they'll, they'll pass through because it's a child. And, and so the border folks went to the president, uh, president Trump and said, you know, what's the they're kidnapping these little girls, these little five-year-olds, and say, this is my daughter, and therefore they, they bypass everything because it's a family. He said, all right, we're going to take those children, and we're going to do a DNA test, or we're going to check to make sure they're really related. And when they did that, then the eruption was how he's ripping children from their mother's arms and all. And you saw, uh, we hardly ever hear from Laura Bush, but Laura Bush and Michelle Obama began to tweet against Donald Trump until Donald Trump relented and is even to this day uh, they, they're they're now bringing little children across so uh, you see that Donald Trump was was uh, a change in the philosophy and, and the policies uh, that were continuous between the Clintons the Obamas and the Bushes we said enough enough I want somebody that does something and so for the first time a president was hired who was not a political leader or a military leader. He was hired for one reason, because I'd watched him sit there and say, look, you got three weeks to get this fixed. You got two weeks to get this fixed. Look, I told you, if you didn't get it fixed, you're fired. And people said, that's what I want in Washington. And so it was a real disruption. And and then, of course, the, 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 the frustration was that he actually can't fire. <laughs> and, so, right. and so he went in there for the purpose of changing things, which he did a marvelous, marvelous job. But when it came to actually uh, firing people, that that bureaucracy, that that, uh, that substate is was so strong as the laws are so powerful that it takes forever to try to move someone. And he made tremendous, tremendous strides. And so what do we do? Literally in less than two years, we went from dependent upon sh shipping gold uh, to at least people that use that money to finance attacks on America all over the globe to being energy independent and then actually selling our oil abroad and the gold began coming to America. And uh, and when jobs were, were fleeting from this country, jobs began, and, and, and there, there's a, a, another one, just common sense. <coughs> he, he, we had allowed ourselves and, and the, the Chinese who are not idiots, they began to see if we control the, in the supply chain, we control these little pieces. We control everything else. Now, let me put that in, in context. How did the British control, rule the waves for 250 years? They control all the tight places. So if you control Gibraltar, which you can cross at, at the end of the Mediterranean, you control Suez at the eastern, you control everything that goes to the Mediterranean. It, the list goes on, and that's all the tight places. And so that's what the Chinese they began to get. He goes to Mercedes Benz and he says,
Unless they tell you they can't. They have pieces that they shut you. They have you right by the throat. What's the matter with you? And when he said it in 2016, every person you can comprehend, every political leader, I cannot think of an exception that everybody disagreed with him. All 15 of the other candidates, all the newspaper, all the Wall Street Journal, all the internet. And, and he said, no, 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 America should not be in this bind. And so he went over and he flipped on the light and people began to say, oh my goodness. And they began withdrawing their factories from China, moving them to Vietnam or elsewhere. Went to Samsung. <laughs> the Koreans and the Chinese have only been at each other's throat for a thousand years. He said, you can't make a refrigerator without their approval, giving them a chip. What's the matter with you? And so the stock market in China went down 47% during the four years of Donald Trump. Half the wealth of the Chinese was wiped off the face of the earth. What happened to America? The stock market in America went up 55%. Jobs began flowing into America rather than out. And now, what does that mean? That means that he upset the apple cart. He meant that those billionaires who took money for the last 30 years, when I say billionaires, I mean hedge funds, who sucked money. When, when I grew up, you put money in the local bank, and the local banker loaned it to you to buy a car or a house. Beginning under the George Bush administration, those that money began to be shipped to New York and to, and to San Francisco. And so all of the small towns, the money went from there to these large funds in, in New York, who then invested that money in China. And so China got the money to build, the hedge funds got the money for the profit, and the small towns began to just dry up. Only one person. Only one person. Donald Trump said, enough, enough of that. And so he started to reverse it, which made those New York bankers furious. And so they began to say every day, every day, every day to attack, attack, attack. And that's what that's the, the battle was all about. So uh, he, he, he was not, um, he was, he was not a, a smooth Dwight Eisenhower politician. <laughs> he was a George Patton, let's get the job done. Yes, and I'm talking with my good friend Bob McEwen, um, who, of course, is are, you're the chairman now of the Council for National Policy. Executive director, Executive yes. Executive director, uh -huh. yes. Mm -hmm. And our good friend uh, Tom Fitton is now is this year's uh, president. Is this year's president. And, uh, and you point out a really important distinction between uh, not just politics as usual and upsetting the the deep state and you know the people who have run Washington for you know the last decades and decades, uh, but this distinction between someone who has been a military general or a politician and has this collaborative mentality that's ingrained because Washington does things different versus an entrepreneur, and I think most of America, even his critics really liked how things were going in America. And yet now we find ourselves poised uh, looking forward into 2024. And there's a vast diversity of opinion. There's a lot of people, I think a lot of listeners uh, to this program included, that would say, I loved Donald Trump. I loved his policies. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that I can stand the the whether they want to call it the circus or the rhetoric or um, what the mainstream media has done more of these um, impeachment hoaxes and all of the drama for another four years so looking forward to 2024 what would you advise president trump in his campaign i would advise a billionaire new yorker in his 70s to change everything he's <laughs> <laughs> and the chances of that happening are probably pretty slim uh, the, the thing is that uh, in the private sector, he discovered that controversy brought attention. Attention brought influence. 
and influence brought power. And so he went from being a little boy that his father said, don't do that, don't do that, to the point that he literally became the most powerful man on the planet. So therefore, when, when other people come on and say, don't do that, who are you? <laughs> Find some place in the history of the United States where some man who had never run for office ever, never commanded, just decided, I'm going to be president. And, and, and did it. De takes out the Bush dynasty and then takes out the clinton dynasty something democrats couldn't do because they had clintons riding over top of them something the republicans could and you're going to tell me what to do so so he has reason to 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 trust his instincts however uh we like to think that that it takes two two parts it takes a little political so let's look at the policy of what you mentioned uh you know the, the soviet union the communists in order to harass and destroy israel as you know america is considered the great satan israel's the little satan and and uh dennis prager often says if you want to know a person's political philosophy ask them where they stand on israel because america and israel are are intertwined in what we stand for the judeo-christian ethic so in order to destroy America and destroy the Jews, they formed, an, the Soviet Union formed an organization called, called the uh, Palestine Liberation Organization, the PLO. Now, it didn't have anything to do with Palestine. It was just a communist front organization. The head of it was Yasser Arafat, who was an Egyptian. But nevertheless, it was an effort to constantly harass the Jews and harass Israel. And they get money from all these nations as they supposedly are representing these disenfranchised uh, Palestinians. So it's gone on for years and years and years, and it, it always, it, it, every president you can think of, the Wire uh, Mansion agreement that uh, Clinton tried to do, and of course Jimmy Carter, and everybody wants to almost make an agreement, but they never make agreement. The PLO never makes agreement with, with uh, Israel, but quite frankly, why should they? I mean, they're having a great time. They're getting paid billions of dollars. They get standing ovations in the United Nations. They got houses all over the world. They're, they're, they represent nobody and do nothing except harass America and Jews. So Donald Trump said to the Secretary of State, you tell those folks, if they don't make peace with Israel within a year, we're going to cut off their money. And so uh, when we come back, perhaps we'll we'll finish up where we are. Absolutely. What a great uh great pausing a moment and you can see now of course why I absolutely love Bob and I have uh, sat at his feet for years just uh, soaking in all of the wisdom the perspectives and uh, everyone should have a mentor in their life like Bob McEwen I'm so grateful that he has joined me this morning here on Jenna Ellis in the morning and we will be right back with more with former congressman Bob McEwen thank you Jenna This is Sanctity of Life Month, and we want to pause to honor the over 63 million babies whose lives have been tragically ended through abortion since Roe v. Wade. Ed Battagliano, Vice President of American Family Association. Sadly, with the abortion pill accounting for over 50% of all abortions, babies' lives are at an even greater risk now. But in the midst of this darkness, there is a light that shines, and that's preborn. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. Preborn has rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion and is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country. I don't know where my life would be without her. <laughs> would you join with Preborn and AFR to help rescue 4,000 babies' lives? 
Call 877-616-2396. That's 877-616-2396. Or donate online at AFR.net. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. The credit card debt happened when my daughter was born. I was using one credit card account to roll over into another credit card account, and it was snowballing. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called Trinity, the representative understood the need based on the situation. They were great people to work with. From the first phone call that I made, they had me on a track to mitigate the credit card debt. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. The Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa, has come up with a rather unique approach to the cancel culture mob. They're actually standing up to the bullies. Catholics in the heartland issued a set of rules on gender identity policies for schools and churches. Students must use bathrooms and locker rooms that are consistent with their biological sex. And preferred pronouns are officially banned. He is he and she is she, the way God intended. Catholics also said anyone struggling with gender dysphoria should be treated with charity and respect, not scorn. In other words, a church behaving like a church should behave. While many evangelical churches are capitulating to the cancel culture mob, it's nice to know the Diocese of Des Moines is still following the Bible's teachings on sex and gender. I'm inviting you to stand with Israel. Join me this fall for an exclusive tour of the Holy Land. Details at ToddSterns.com. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning. I'm Jenna Ellis, and I am here in person with my very good friend, Bob McEwen, who is the Executive Director of the Council for National Policy, uh, which is just a wonderful membership collective of the conservatives of Washington and from all over the country, and uh, have been blessed to be part of that for a number of years. And uh, Bob, of course, is a former member of Congress and understands uh, how the world of Washington works, but importantly, how it should work. So uh, before the break, Bob, we were talking about the um, amazing novelty (laughs) that is and was Donald Trump and how Mm -hmm. he took this entrepreneurial mentality uh, into Washington, completely shaked things up. And, you know, as you were talking about um, him not being used to anyone telling him no, um, as, as one of his lawyers, I encountered that Uh, many times where he would call me and say, you know, I was asking my lawyer this and just the automatic response was no. And, but I want to do this. And I, and my response to him, I figured out very quickly was give me an hour and I'll come up with some solutions and never say no 
offhand because his ideas were always great. And even if at the end of the day, unlike an entrepreneur, uh, the, the president of the United States, of course, is bound by the Constitution. He understood that. He loves the Constitution more than, I think, um, many people uh, and, and certainly any uh, president in my lifetime. He understands that role in office. But he wanted to get things done, and mm-hmm. he was frustrated with uh, the way that Washington works. And so um, so as you're looking at moving forward into 2020, continue with, with what you were saying as far as his mentality and his approach, because he did get a lot of things done. Well, and I, I, I want to use the example of the Middle East, and let me I'll go back to that. But let me just say something, uh, what you're, you're saying about you can't do things. Uh, I When I would, on my staff as a member of Congress, I would tell these folks now, you need to understand that everyone you're dealing with in government has one goal, and that is that when you hang up from them, that they don't have to do anything. And so you need to understand they will tell you that whatever you want to have done can't be done. Now, I want you to know this. I don't care about that because they don't work for me. We work for the people in southern Ohio, and we are there, it says in the Constitution, representative. I never signed a, a, a letter that said member of Congress. So there is no such title in the Constitution. It's representative to Congress. And right. so I, I said, we are their representative, and we represent the stockholders, the owners. They are the employees. And so they will use two terms to try to intimidate you from doing what the taxpayers and the owners of the country want done from these bureaucrats who couldn't find Greenfield, Ohio, with a map. And, and yet, so they're sitting up there making these decisions, and they go home at 3.30 in the afternoon and, and, and make salaries four times as high as the taxpayers and, and have no desire to do anything. I said, there's two phrases that they use. One of is, they'll say regulations. Well, the regulations prohibit. prohibit. I said, you need to understand how little I care about the regulations. They write the regulations. I don't give a hoot about their regulations. If we want something done, then write a regulation that makes it work, number one. Or number two, the law, the law, the law. Again, the law doesn't mean anything to me because that's exactly all I do for a living is I write laws. So therefore, if we have to do these various things, then we will. So I, I, I would periodically write the law or we... We wanted to, to, what regulations they wanted to have these buses that kneeled and cost so much that they couldn't, uh, the local small towns couldn't afford to have buses because of the, the cost of having the kneeling buses, which is what the hydro people wanted. And all. So I got the regulations changed so that we could save that kind of money. So nevertheless, uh, that's what he encountered, was trying to move this bureaucracy. In order to do that, in order to do that, you need a team. And a team gets back to what we said about being a uh, being a political leader or being a, a, a military leader. How do you get that team together? And he made tremendous, tremendous strides when he arrived. In that. So give, give the example. It's just common sense. So he said to the to the Palestine Liberation Organizations, they're making billions of dollars to go around, and and, and uh, Yasser Arafat has been replaced by Abu Abbas, who is now in his 16th year of his two-year term. And and so as they're having a great time, he said. Tell them if they don't make peace with Israel within a year, we're cutting them off. And, uh, of course, then all the folks at the State Department would get all nervous about that. But nevertheless, that's what Pompeo told them. At the end of the year, they weren't going to make peace with Israel. He said, cut them off. That's it. Oh, my goodness. The bedwetters went, just went crazy. Uh, John Kerry, former Secretary of State, unless we make peace with the Palestinians, there'll be no peace for Israel. I've told them. I've told those people in Israel. And they're just all these experts carrying on carrying Well, what happened? 
They said the, the, the Arab street will erupt. Arab street didn't give two hoots about these communist front murderers. And so when America cut off the money to the PLO, Saudi Arabia said, well, look, you know, America's not paying them. <laughs> Why should we pay them? So Saudi Arabia cut off the money. So the UAE said, well, if the Saudis and the Americans aren't paying, why should we? And so and they went into a state of collapse. They were totally inconsequential. And as a result of that, the countries UAE and Bahrain, they began to make peace with Israel. And, and two of them made uh, signed Israeli agreements. And Donald Trump, they told six other countries said they would as well. But when he didn't get reelected, they froze it. And then the first thing that, that uh, the Democrats did when they came into power was restore money to the PLO. And six days after after Biden uh, gave them tens of millions of dollars, they began to shell Israel again and, and reignite the war. So it's the difference between a common sense businessman and a politician who believes if you talk to virtually any politician, they say you can't do things. And they'll, they're willing to talk about it for years and years and years. And, and uh, it's like academia where yeah. nothing moves in academia and everybody just there's a bunch of committees and they just talk and they say, OK, we'll maybe have the budget for that in 15 years. And nothing yeah. ever gets done. Yeah. And and and, and those uh, th there are, are all wealth is created by three people, a saver, an entrepreneur, producer, business person and the producer, the person that goes to work. All wealth comes from those three people. Now it goes to places that live off of them. And some of them are wonderful people, churches, uh, education, arts, government, but they all live off of, off of those people. And, and you would think that they would honor the saver and the investor and the producer. But as we've learned in, in biology, that a parasite ends up killing its host. And so you would think that the entrepreneur, the, the, the education folks would respect the, the worker, the per and yet they have contempt for our system. And uh, it's, it's, you're 100% correct. Um, that's why we need to constantly trumpet our side because their side doesn't produce. And that's what I explained about government. And I tell young people, this politician said he's going to give us something. Okay, ask him. Stop, stop. Where does the politician get anything? A farmer grows the corn. A, a factory makes a car. Where does no government creates nothing? It only redistributes what it steals from someone else. And if you steal it on your own, that's not. there's nothing noble about that. If you band together as a political party and steal it en masse, that's no more noble. And the reason America is the richest, most powerful nation on earth, 4% of the population of the world, more books, plays, symphonies, copyrights, inventions than the rest of the world combined, the hope for the entire planet. Why? The reason America is the greatest nation is because it has less government than other nations. And this is a constant battle from folks who want more and more government. And you can see it, whether it be on a school board or a city council, the greater the government, the greater the poverty because of exactly what you said. The people that are not producing anything and yet they're sitting around stealing money from the productive to say, let's talk about this for years. Right. And government is not a revenue generating institution. Steals. This, steals is, this is why as conservatives, we always have to come back to that foundation and that philosophy and you're absolutely right uh, Bob McEwen I'm talking with a former congressman and, and just absolute expert on so many things uh, Bob McEwen and uh, you know as we look at the hallmark of what it truly means to be a conservative and what we are conserving it is that individual productivity that we have an God-given unalienable right 
to possession of our property without the government coming in and taking it from us and determining how to best redistribute that. That's it. And that's that's where when people and it just boggles my mind that when people, even conservatives, will say, well, you know, taxes are good because the government does so many good different programs. What I think that we need to come back to is to say, okay, fine, then willingly donate your funds and have the government come to you and explain to you why this is a good program and get you to buy in and to donate. Like all kinds of other nonprofit organizations have to appeal to donors. Why can they compel me? To put my money into things like, for example, the NIH that's funding a lot of different things with your and my taxpayer dollars, I wouldn't fund, you wouldn't fund, and probably no conservative would. So as we're looking at, at the state of how the, the deep state and, and what I call the uniparty now uh, in Washington is bigger government even on the Republican side. Donald Trump upset that. We are poised now at a moment in history that I think we're at a tipping point. And we've we've been at various tipping, tipping points through our nation's history. This isn't a surprise. You're a lover of history as much as I am. And people who say, oh, this is the worst place we've ever been. Well, look through world history, even just back the last you know 100 years. There are a lot of things that have been poised to go wrong or right. And this is our moment to decide and determine as Americans shaping the future of our country. So... Now enter Ron DeSantis into mm -hmm. the mix. Mm -hmm. He is more of a politician, but he's become better, as you told me yesterday, because of Donald Trump. How does he factor into the mix, in your view, in 2024? Well, I, I think Donald Trump has taught people that the idea that we got through the Bushes and the McCains and the Romneys, that nobody can ever do anything, that Donald Trump showed you can. You absolutely can. If you've got some backbone, then the fact that, that Disney tells you we're going to put every, we're going to teach perversion to every child that walks through the Disney uh, uh, Epcot Center in, in Orlando, and he says, no, you're not. You're not going to do that. And of course, then the Hollywood operation comes down on him, and instead he stood strong. And when you do that, you find out for the first time that when you stand strong, you make tremendous, tremendous enemies. People hate Donald Trump. They hate Ronald Reagan. Mag and newspapers still say, if you get uh, school books now, they say nasty things about Reagan. Why? Because Reagan stood for what was right. He brought down the communism. He exposed them for who they are. Uh, Donald Trump did the same thing with the Chinese. And, and when people like DeSantis said, okay, I understand. You get a lot of opposition. But you also get people that admire you and respect you a lot. And, and that's, I think, that many of the governors across the country uh, ha are, are much better because of Donald Trump's example as to what, what people can, can do. And let me just say another thing before we have to go here, Jenna, is, is you know, one of the real, the United States is the most unbelievable place on the planet. Never in the history of man has there been a place like this. And yet these people go around saying, well, is you know, the governor of New York, so well, America was never that great. America is great to the 10th power. It's 4% of the population of the world. That means 96% of the people on the planet are not American. And yet the cost of global evangelism, the lighthouse for the gospel, if you took all the money that goes for the preaching of the gospel from the 96% and you increased it five and a half times, that's still not as much as what America gives. This is the lighthouse for the gospel. This is, is the standard of righteousness in the world. If a ship is attacked on the high seas, as happened 300 times last year, what is the standard that keeps pirates from, from taking over, uh, whether it be a, a yacht in the Caribbean or a trawler in the South China Sea? or a British tanker in, in the Straits of Hormuz. If they're being attacked, to whom can they appeal? 
There's only one standard of right in the world. That's the 327,000 Americans wear the uniform of the United States Navy. So America, if more books, more plays, more symphonies, more copyrights, more inventions. For thousands of years, people hoped to someday fly. It was Americans that invented the air. Now, how does the world function? Let's take the airplane. Just, just look at it. You look at the wheels on the airplane. It has tires that the vulcanization process presented, uh, uh, created by... Charles Goodyear of Akron, Ohio. There's lights on that airplane by Thomas Edison from Milan, Ohio. They fly the Wright brothers from Dayton, Ohio. They're air conditioners because of Willis Carrier all over the world. There are skyscrapers all over the world. Why? Because of, uh, of, of Elisha Otis invented the elevator. The, 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 a ship uh, crossing the seas any place on the planet, an airplane crossing the Himalayas or, or Africa using a global positioning system conceived, invented, and maintained by America. A ship parking in Hong Kong or, or Singapore at this very moment is using a GPS, a global positioning system conceived, invented, and maintained by Americans. There's a Mercedes dealer in Buenos Aires ordering a part from Stuttgart, Germany using an internet conceived, invented, and maintained by Americans. No nation in the history of the world has ever been a source of prosperity and blessing to the rest of the world. The fourth largest nation on earth, Indonesia, that's where Barack Obama grew up, is the largest Muslim nation on earth. When it gets hit by, by a hurricane, to whom do they appeal? To the glass towers of, of the Middle East? No, they come to the Christians in America. And what happens? We send an aircraft carrier in there, which the the French ridicule. Why? Because it produces 5,000 gallons of fresh water every hour and, and, and the hospitals and feeds it. America comes to the aid. There's So you ask the average young person, and they say, tell us about America. The school systems have taught that America had slavery uh, in five or seven states for about 80 years. And that's all. They, so you ask them, well, I know slavery, I know slavery, and I know slavery. They can't tell you anything about the fact that there is peace and stability in the world today because Americans showed up on, on Normandy in World War II and put an end to Nazism because Donald because Ronald Reagan showed up at the Berlin Wall and said, we're going to push it down. So the reason that they're able to enjoy the things we have is why? Not because of Mexicans, not because of Brazilians, not because of the Thailand, not because of the China, all wonderful people. Americans are the ones that make the, the copyrights laws work and so makes, makes the communications work. So there's never been a country like this. You knock down America. The scripture says if you take a city, must bind a strong man. There's only one strong man in the world. You take down America, the rest of it's a piece of cake. This is a spiritual battle to, pre to preserve this country. And people who are not engaged, Christians who are not registered and not voting, will stand before God and give account for, what, for allowing it to be stolen out from under us. Well said, Bob McEwen. On that note, get engaged. Keep this country great. Keep America thriving and continue to promote the gospel of Christ because we are Americans and we live under the truth of the Lord. I'm Jenna Ellis. You're listening to Jenna Ellis in the morning. We'll be right back. moms and dads, are you at your wit's end? Hi, this is Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. I'm so grateful for the partnership we have with American Family Radio. We share a common goal to bring hope to hurting families through the life-changing medium of radio. Be sure to listen Saturday afternoons at 4.30 Central on American Family Radio. Find help and hope for your family with Parenting Today's Teens.
Is something missing in your spiritual life since you stopped going to church? Jesus never intended for us to live the Christian life alone. He wants us to be a part of a spiritual family of believers. Maybe you stopped going to church because you got hurt or disillusioned. Maybe you got offended or busy or maybe sin got a foothold in your life. Perhaps COVID made you stop. Whatever the reason, isn't it time you started going again? I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. Faith, hope, love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Karl Marx, an emissary of evil, and Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, were evangelists of diametrically opposed messages. Yet they both lived in London at the same time. In fact, when asked the name of the person he most detested, Frederick Ingalls, Marx's cohort in chaos, responded unequivocally, Spurgeon. A generation later, George Bernard Shaw, a hardcore communist, seethed in hatred for William Booth and his Salvation Army of volunteers. Time and again, robust Christian witness has been the inoculate against the proliferation of Marxist poison in society. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call Right now, and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the morning. I'm Jenna Ellis and had such a great conversation earlier in the show with my good friend Bob McEwen, who's the executive director of the Council for National Policy, former a member of Congress from Ohio. If you missed that, you can always go to AFR.net, click the link to Jenna Ellis in the morning and listen to the rest of the show and also prior episodes, some really great interviews from some amazing Christians and conservatives who love this country as much as you and I do. So a couple of top trending headlines for you this morning. Uh, One of the biggest stories right now that's trending, especially in Canada, is that an NHL player evokes Christian faith to not participate in an LGBT celebration. And so Ivan Pavarov from the Philadelphia Flyers invoked his Christian faith Tuesday night in explaining why he refused to observe the team's Pride Night commemoration. And so he simply said uh, just on Twitter and his response was, I respect everybody and I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. Of course, when 
uh, anyone wants to participate in uh, Christian activities, then the left always says, well, stop forcing your beliefs on me. But they somehow think that because they have the auspices of quote-unquote gay rights, they can forcibly compel Christians who object to their beliefs to participate in anything from wearing a pride uh, jersey to having to bake a cake or design a website. So, of course, the mainstream media and the leftists uh, went a little bit ballistic this morning, and we're absolutely shocked that the NHL was not being fined over this uh, player's a d- decision to decline to wear a hockey jersey. So this is what uh, someone named Sid Sixario, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. It was on a uh, breakfast morning show uh, in Canada. This is what he had to say about the stand that Ivan Pafarov took for his Christian faith. Listen to this. This is cut 11. The theme from the National Hockey League is hockey is for everyone. Okay. The theme is not hockey is for everyone, dot, 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 unless you don't believe in gay rights, then do whatever you want. If the National Hockey League is going to do this, if any league is going to do this, do it properly or reevaluate what you're doing. Because there's not a lot of repercussions that I'm seeing from any league. Now, it could change with the NHL. could change with the NHL. I think you find the Flyers a million dollars for this. I'm not kidding. Figure this out. And stop offending people on nights where it's not about that. It's supposed to be about inclusivity. The National Hockey League need to attack this and figure this out. Okay. Well, hold on a second, Sid. So hockey is for everybody. Uh, Make sure that this is a night of inclusivity. Well, how about Ivan Pavarov, who has a Christian faith? What about him? What about inclusivity and the diversity of viewpoints that Christians espouse. This is always the problem that I have with the leftists trying to forcibly compel their beliefs onto us and forcing us as Christians to participate in their affirmation and their celebration of so-called gay rights. And now gay rights uh, isn't even a thing in terms of how we would understand rights that are God-given or, and I don't even like the term women's rights. We all as human beings have the same fundamental rights. We are different in terms of our gender, our immutable characteristics, but there's no such thing as better or more privileges just because I am a woman or just because uh, someone happens to identify as gay or trans or any other uh, sort of characteristic. Now, when our nation has always wanted to move forward in protecting and preserving our rights. It has been to allow people to have the same types of privileges in society or expression and um, exercising of the same rights. So, for example, in the women's suffrage movement that led to the ratification of the 19th Amendment, that wasn't giving women more pl- privileges and more rights. I can't vote in more elections than men. I can simply vote in the same manner as men. So I am not discriminated on the basis of being a woman. But the gay rights movement is all about protecting and having a higher amount of privileges for a certain class and for this certain uh, chosen viewpoint on sexuality than anyone else in the country. And so the problem that I have with people like Sid who talk about inclusivity, they are always excluding the Christians for the advantage of the so-called gay rights movement. And so listen what he continues to say about 
uh, being so just crying on national television, being so upset and disturbed that a Christian would refuse to be forcibly compelled to wear a pride jersey. So play cut 12. One last point. Nothing scares me more than any human being who says I'm not doing this because of my religious beliefs. Because when you looked in people's lives, you normally say that publicly, you'd throw up at what you saw. You would throw up at what you saw. And I have seen that a million times in a lot of different ways. So don't, don't give me that. With respect. Don't give me that because no one's perfect. All right? Don't, tell me, don't, don't feed me the religious beliefs line. And all of a sudden the NHL is going to back off this. The National Hockey League today needs to find that organization a million dollars and reevaluate how they support gay rights. Because that is insulting. That is the number one trending topic in Canada. That is insulting what happened in Philadelphia. And if the NHL is serious about this, they say they are. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see how serious they are today. But that whole thing was mishandled. And, I, and I, part of me couldn't believe it. Part of me could, considering how the NHL sometimes handles that. <laughs> so he's literally pounding the table in disgust. Don't give me that line. Don't give me that there's religious beliefs in here. You know, when you throw out that line, he, it's, it's mind-boggling to me how they don't see the inconsistency of their statements. Because he wants to forcibly compel people to believe in the LGBT agenda, but he doesn't want to allow Christians to respectfully decline. But this is why the best solution here is for sports to get out of identity politics altogether. Because I absolutely guarantee you that if this Sid guy had an NHL team that was trying to say for Easter, for example, or for Christmas, celebrating the birth, life, death, resurrection of our Lord and Savior, we are going to compel all of the NHL members to wear a cross on their jersey. He would be up in arms about that, and he would be, oh, I'm so sick about this. But when they try to forcibly compel their beliefs on us, then Christians can't decline. So this becomes a problem with precedent. And I am no for more for compelling sports members to wear a cross if they don't believe in Christ. I don't want to compel them to do that, but I don't want them to compel me to participate in their religion either. That's what free exercise of religion means. So we need to have a bigger national conversation about this. And I want you to be very mindful of how they're trying to use this so-called gay rights uh, term to want more protections, more privileges, more advantages for people who identify as LGBT than what anyone has ever understood the civil rights movement to be. To just have the same level playing field and to not discriminate or treat with more disparate action by the government against someone of a protected class. So that's the difference. They want more privileges where the civil rights movement has always been about not treating anyone on the basis of their intrinsic characteristics with discrimination. It's a huge, huge difference. So I want now to get to my guest, who is uh, Joyce M. Bartholomew, and she is part of Preborn, which is a wonderful organization that is uh, really just trying to uh, help the pro-life movement. And so, Joyce, thank you so much for partnering with AFA and for joining me this morning. Thank you so much for having me, Jenna. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, thanks so much. So tell us about Preborn. Of course, you know, listeners of this program have been hearing about Preborn um, through all of our, our ads and so forth. This is the uh, week, of course, of the March for Life, and we are focused, so excited this year to uh, to march because the Dobbs decision has now overturned Roe versus Wade. So uh, what is Preborn doing in terms of changing hearts and minds uh, to save babies and souls from the hideousness of abortion? Well, we're the compassion-based arm of the pro-life movement. We're now a network of clinics. There's 84 of us, but we're affiliated with hundreds across the nation trying to bring us together to provide free ultrasounds for people who we can physically get into a center to see their baby if they're big enough and definitely to hear the heartbeat of the baby, which then they would choose life 80% of the time when, with the ultrasound. Without it, it's only 40% of the time. And we are about saving souls, babies, but also we are gospel-obsessed. So we're primarily first. It's the gospel that we are focused on. And this is so fantastic. And, you know, abortion is the leading cause of death in the United States and across the world. And um, over what 860,000 abortions are performed in the U.S. annually, and over 63 million babies' lives have been taken since Roe versus Wade. And so this ministry... Uh, of preborn and helping uh, partner with these, uh, with not only AFA but also with um, with mothers and with these clinics to choose life is so incredibly important. And um, how much pushback have you gotten uh, in some of these clinics where, of course, they're saying, "Well, if you show a mother the ultrasound and you actually show her what, that her unborn child is a." human being that values life. Um, is there a lot of pushback on um, this type of, of methodology, or are a lot of the moms actually excited to see their ultrasounds? Well, there's only pushback by Planned Parenthood and abortion places. They will lie and say that we're harming the baby. That would be their biggest pushback with that, but we're not. This is a, this is, there's been no proof of that whatsoever. There's always propaganda. And as far as the people coming in, they are so happy because it's free. Because $28 that we asked from the listener provides one free ultrasound, or 140 provides five. And so this is free for them. And normally they can't afford a, a free, an ultrasound. So they're curious. We'll say, this not just going to hurt you to hear the heartbeat or see your baby. Don't you want to see? And a lot of them, they are, almost all of them are willing and wanting to see it, especially because it's free. And that's where things change when they... They can't believe what they see on the screen or hear on the screen. And it's very effective. It's probably the most effective in changing their mind to choose life. Wow. That's, that's incredible that the lie from the left is somehow an ultrasound will harm the baby when they're advocating for the greatest harm to the baby, which, of course, is an intentional medical intervention designed to kill the baby, which is called abortion. I mean, the, it, right. it's just mind-boggling how right. they warp yeah. this and then manipulate it. And so um, so you mentioned the ask. And so uh, what American Family Radio and Preborn are asking you to partner with us as well and to help a moms choose life is a gift of 20 that provides one woman who's seeking an abortion a free ultrasound and you're giving moms the opportunity to choose life for her baby. So you can call 877 616 
877-616-2396. That's 877-616-2396. Or you can donate online at AFR.net. And so, uh, Joyce, you know, how, how much have you seen this effectively changing hearts and minds? You mentioned that, you know, women who couldn't afford an ultrasound, that they now see one. Um, how dramatically has, has that changed their perspective on the truth of the sanctity of life? It is absolutely dramatic. It's 80% change completely. I've been, I was a pregnancy care center counselor for years before, and it's incredible. The, the spiritual, the maternal, emotional connection that the mother and her family will have upon hearing the heartbeat and, and seeing the child if, he, if he's big enough or she's big enough. It is absolutely effective. It, it, is, it is incredible because before that they think that it's just a blob of cells or it's just not significant. But even if you can't see something, you hear a heartbeat, that is significant. It, it shows there is life. Only something that has life has a heartbeat. And that alone triggers something in them that they cannot do what they came in wanting to do, was to kill their baby. And they often say things like, I, this is my baby. This is an actual baby. I can't, I can't kill my baby. That's, and they cry. Um, so many times they cry. And it's just a stunning, shocking moment. And I, I'm just so grateful that they have, that God would just prevent another death of an innocent person. Mm, and that's such a wonderful testament to how truth uh, then leads people to change their hearts and minds. And this is why, uh, you know, Joyce, the, the left is who, who they claim that they're all about the science, right? But they don't want the science and the advancement of medical technology to show the truth of how an unborn child is a human being made in the image of God, and they are suppressing that truth in unrighteousness. As the Bible says in, in Romans 1, how you know the, the left and, and the evil people who have rejected the truth of God suppress the truth in unrighteousness, and they don't want the science to show uh, what it actually does. And, and yet, with the advancements of medical technology, like ultrasounds and um, like so many other things that show the truth about human beings made in the image of God, advancements in medical technology always further prove what the Bible already says. And so for those who say, well, science is inconsistent with religion, that's absolutely not true. That's not what anything shows. It's always Mm -hmm. that the further we get into science and with further discovery, we see that the truth of what God has already told us is evident. So I hope that you will also partner with AFA and Preborn. Joyce, thank you so much for your time this morning. Again, you can call 877-616-2396 or donate online at AFR.net and a gift of just $28 provides one woman who is seeking an abortion a free ultrasound. You're giving moms the opportunity to choose life. I'm Jenna Ellis. You've been listening to Jenna Ellis in the morning and tomorrow is already Friday. Always love joining you here in the morning. Have a wonderful Thursday and I will see you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.